Hi, you're listening to Earth Matters on the Community Radio Network, produced at 3CR Community Radio on Wurundjeri Country, and I'm Nikki Stott. Fourteen environment groups have written to the Victorian Environment Minister urging an immediate extension to the 28-day deadline for community feedback on proposed changes to the state's logging code. The VicGov is rushing through substantial changes to the code of practice for timber production after giving communities less than a month to respond to the nearly 3,000 complex changes spread out over more than 350 pages of documents. Many of the changes are really subtle and very complex, with the allocated community response time extremely inadequate to the task. And there's also been no transparency around the logging industry's input into this process. Later in the show, we'll hear from Chris Sharinga at Goonga Environment Centre about what the concerns are and how a groundswell of activist collectives, local communities and environmental orgs is mounting. But first off, we'll hear from Matt Morgan and Darcy from Elberton West State Forest Blockade about the ongoing campaign by local communities there to protect a vital diversity corridor between Wilson's Promontory on the coast and the Streslecky Ranges. And also Matt's epic tree sit and arrest this week at the blockade. I'm Darcy. I heard about this blockade through um, a group, Forest Conservation Victoria, and I yeah heard also about the forest through a group called Friends of Alberton West State Forest. And when I heard that logging was happening, I thought, yeah, I, I need to get out there and take action to help protect this forest. I live in the Macedon Ranges and travelled out to help support out there. I'm Matt Morgan. I'm a member of Bass Coast Climate Action Network and the Prong Coast Climate Action Network. So you've got like the South Gippsland Conservation Society and the Bass Coast Climate Action Network are really active. And there's, there's lots of members of multiple organisations. We string ourselves together and we, we um, work as a bit of a network when it comes to big stuff like this. It's always nice to have multiple organisations that have come together. And I've recently moved out and got myself involved in the local community in Foster. And yeah, so this is, this is my local forest. I heard about what was going on in the forest and so I, I don't think it was much of a choice whether I came and fought for it or not. So my understanding is that there was um, a significant amount of, of local community involvement with the blockade and, and they're actually, I believe they've been working for quite a while now with conservation stuff because it's a wildlife corridor, is that right, between uh, Wilson's Prom and the Streslecky Ranges? Yeah, what I've heard from the locals is that over the last 15 years, there's been somewhere in the marks of $100 million or more spent in creating wildlife corridors and protecting the environment and conserving the ecosystems in those areas and creating nature corridors to link up to this state forest because it's sort of like a keystone in the area. The Alberton West State Forest is in between pretty much Port Albert and Yarram sort of area. It's not that big of a forest, around 2,000 hectares in the scheme of forest sizes. It's a very cleared landscape, huge amounts of farming and plantation. So there's not much intact native forest left. So the animals that are here and the biodiversity within it is really significant. There's one of only 11 special protection zones for powerful owls here in this forest. 
There's lots of powerful owl sightings all through the logging coops. There's been sightings of greater gliders, quite a lot of them, which are needed for the powerful owls to survive as well as part of their food. Uh, cobra greenhood orchids, which have been listed as endangered and they've had very minimal, if not any, protection. They're still in there tearing up the ground with their machinery. They say they've got buffers on them, but when they're driving straight over them, there's, uh, it doesn't work very well. There's lace monitors that have been seen. Lots of locals have had photos of the lace monitors through the coop, and the Strathlecky koala is also found in this coop. Pig forests have said, oh, yeah, we're logging something like 60% basal area of the forest. But if you take out any of these trees, that's impacting the biodiversity, which all the animals rely on. It's definitely impacting and will impact all these threatened species that haven't been considered. So it's a really high value forest in terms of diversity of endangered animals. And it's just an amazing place to be, like the bird life and hanging out there for the five days. There's just so many kookaburras as well and, and all sorts of animals that aren't endangered. It's just, it's just teeming with life and, and so much diversity in trees as well between sort of like drier forest and, and wetter, ferny sort of forest. And yeah, it's just a, a really incredible place. So there's a lot of farmers that have planted hundreds, uh, some thousands of hectares of forests and forest corridors through their properties connecting up areas to try and link the coast to this forest and up further to the Strathlecky Ranges. A lot of effort and money has been spent over the years to basically use the value of this forest to sort of broaden its uh, conservation impact. And a lot of it is individually driven as well. A lot of the nature corridors are privately owned by local farmers that have gone and planted out their trees, even just to bring a little bit more carbon drawdown to their farming operations. And, um, it really does show that there is community drive here to, to maintain the sustainability of the Strezeki Ranges. It's very much small town vibes and, and there's tiny little populations in these country hubs. Um, so everybody goes about their life pretty quietly, but everybody is doing their little bits. And it, yeah, it just takes an action or a bit of noise um, and people do come out. And yeah, you, you find amazing people that have done really good things. People just go about them quietly out here. So I'd love to hear about what your experience was with setting up the blockade, like in terms of getting started and then where it went to from there and what your roles were in the blockade. I was out here from the beginning. We saw that logging was happening and within the Alberton West State Forest there was five machines, there was cleared forest piles of logs. Those that were there in the night looked at ways to make a statement to stand against the logging so the machines were tied up to a tree sit up in the tree and that was set up overnight and that's when Matt went up and stayed in the tree um, so they're actually hanging off the machines but on the set up night I was just around to support. And um, what about you Matt was this your first tree sit or have you got a bit of experience with this sort of stuff? Uh, no, this is my first time being in a tree sit, yeah. And how, how was it? Uh, look, it's not, it's not something that I'd do for fun. Um, I, when it comes to protecting the forest, I'd do it 100 times over, but um, it's not, not exactly my, my game heights. Um, 
yeah, it was it was cold and wet and a little bit claustrophobic. I guess, yeah. Mm. But such a great outcome because by the sound of things, you basically shut down logging for a, a whole week. Yeah. That's a pretty yeah. good outcome, isn't it? It was. It was as much as we could expect. Um, yeah, it was, and it was It was good to actually be able to, to climb out of the tree sit and you could, you know, get an immediate, oh, right, that's right, I'm, we're holding back these, these machines and the other side of you is this beautiful forest with wildlife running around everywhere so it was um yeah it was it was actually quite nice yeah you knew why you were there yeah why did you decide that you wanted to take that action Matt I think in a way I got sick of writing letters there's only so many times you can be ignored by your elected representatives before you have to actually step in direct action is not the first resort under any circumstances but yeah the the rate that Vic Forest were going about ruining this forest was so crazy that something had to be done. So we, we, uh, yeah, we did our bit. Yeah. Thank you for doing that. It's not easy being um, in those situations. It's hard work and especially this time of year when it's so cold. Yeah, no, you're right. Um, but I think we got pretty lucky with the weather, actually. Night, mm. night two was a little bit wet and wet and windy, but no, mm. I, was, I, I think we had something on our side for most of it. Yeah, good. That's good stuff. Hey, um, are you able to talk about the outcomes? Because um, I'm aware that as I'm speaking with you now and it's Tuesday evening that um, my understanding is that this morning after five days up in the tree, you eventually were arrested. Yeah, correct. It took the five days for the police to get their search and rescue unit out there. And yeah, they rocked up nice and nice and early this morning. Um, and quite honestly, I could have gone for much longer. But yeah, when they rocked up, it was uh, yeah only you know a matter of a matter of minutes before they would have been up the tree. So I, I yeah voluntarily came down and mm. they uh, yeah arrested me and and processed me on the spot. So it was all a fairly quick process. Yeah. Well, at least there's this one thing to be thankful for. It's annoying when it drags on. You've got to spend more time with the cops than you want to. <laughs> no one yeah. wants to even spend one second. So do you have a court date now or is it just a fine? Uh, I, I'm unsure. Um, yeah. But, yeah, it will all be, it'll be coming in the mail, um, whether it is a summons or, or it's just a handful of fines. Oh, okay, so it's a bit cryptic. And if it gets to the point where there's like a fundraiser or something to help you out with that, then... Uh... We'll make sure that we uh, publicise that and get that information yeah, out there yeah. as well. And so now what's the situation? Is there any kind of protest all going on out there or have you sort of closed it down for now? Yeah, we've had to, had to head off and go back to our jobs and other things that we do. But there's a lot of local support and the local support was really amazing out there. Various farmers in the area are working on trying to put pressure up through government and big forest and, and looking for legal, legal avenues and looking to do more surveys in the forest for endangered species and try and use that because it seems that big forest is ignoring the native species and not putting out adequate protection into those. But the locals are going to be driving a bit more action in those regards and in terms of action stuff, we're not sure, we'll have to wait and see what comes. Okay, so future actions for the... Alberton West Forest looks like um, got a bit of community stuff going on, citizen science and surveying and just monitoring those activities of Vic Forest in there for now by the sound of things. That's pretty much the scope of 
the near future? Yeah, well, that, that's exactly right as well, because a lot of the local community is a bit older than us. When it comes to citizen science and surveying and stuff, that is something that everybody can jump in and get involved with. And when it comes to surveying for stuff like our greater gliders and the Strezeki koalas as well, it's, um, it's all going to come down to that. At the end of the day, we can jump up and we can tie ourselves to trees or do whatever. But um, it all comes back to the science, which is something that, that we're definitely not ignoring, regardless of what Vic Forest want to do. Absolutely. Yep, absolutely. Everyone's got a role to play. Yeah, for sure. And as Darcy's covered off about the forest, you know, obviously any native forest needs protecting in a climate emergency. But um, in terms of the Strezdeki Ranges and being out there, you can see the pine plantations everywhere. And you can talk about pine plantations being beneficial. But at the end of the day, we've got a biodiversity issue as well. Um, and, and it doesn't matter what you say about, what is it called, sensitive thinning, I think Big Forest decided they, they want to call it. And you just can't. You can't do that. And you can't protect the understories. And, and what we're talking about with the orchids, like it's impossible to try and replace these or even protect them. As soon as you drive driving through there with those big machines, it's ruined the place. And you can see when you're out there how beautiful and delicate that whole ecosystem is. And, and it was quite interesting listening to the contractors going, oh, it's been logged before, it'll be logged in another 20 years. And there's just this disconnect between what's what's going on and the accountability for what is happening. There's just no there's no consideration for the future. And it's it's really disappointing that but I think um I think this is this is a bit of a turning point for, for the Strezeki Ranges especially. Wow, that's good news. That's good to hear. Yeah, there's a lot to be um depressed and sad about but I also feel like there's there's something happening with uh, forest protesting and forest activism um, on the east coast of Australia at the moment and on the west coast too actually um, there's like a real resurgence I feel the winds of change yeah people are sick of it we're starting to see yeah how, what's really happening because particularly with the the fact that Vic Forest run at a operational loss to the extent of between like 15 to 20 million dollars every year they're losing in their operations which is paid for by taxpayers dollars big forest is a government-owned logging agency funded by our taxes so our taxes are paying for this destruction as well which is why it's so hard to go up against them as well because we're not just going up against any company we're going up against a government-owned company so they write their own rules really mm. It doesn't matter if they're posting financial losses. Yeah, that's never made sense to me how they do that, but <laughs> so bizarre. Anyway, um, all right, so what's next for you two? Are there any campaigns or organisations that you want to promote or social media stuff that you want to promote? For folks that want more information or to get involved in support, there's a petition um, Friends of Alberton West Forest Facebook group has information and some posts. There's also a website, albertonwestforest.com, and that's got a bunch of information, and I think that's got a link to the petition as well. Um, so people can follow up information on there. And for other general actions, uh, Forest Conservation Victoria posts what's going on in general areas around Victoria as well. Cool. And what about you, Matt? Do you want to promote... 
Yeah, no, Darcy's hit the nail on the head there. They are okay. they are the organisations that are getting in and they're doing the hard work. Um, the Bob Brown Foundation, everybody's everybody's getting involved and everybody's there's a bit of a groundswell happening. So um, yeah, if everybody just jumps on the right pages, gets onto the right organisations, and just stays in touch with what's happening, we'll um, yeah, we can make a difference. You're listening to Earth Matters on the Community Radio Network. Last week, I was personally lucky enough to attend an online meeting that had been organised by multiple environment groups in Victoria who are concerned about changes to the logging code, many thousands of changes to the logging code. There was a few different speakers from different groups there and you were there on behalf of Gecko. Do you want to just tell me a little bit about your involvement with that meeting and why it was important for Gecko to be involved in that meeting? One of the main concerns, I suppose, from an East Gippsland perspective is that there are changes in the code which affect certain species and, and the citizen science work that we do. And so it will have an implication for our work on the ground. And so that's why we felt it was really important to get involved to kind of share what it means for, for East Gippsland and also particularly, I suppose, given we're pretty focused on looking at the impacts of the bushfires and trying to lobby, I guess, for action from the government to take into consideration the impacts of the bushfires to really strengthen laws and um, prescriptions. And what we saw was the complete opposite, which is pretty alarming and frustrating. So that's mainly what we were sort of speaking about, but also sharing, I suppose, the concerns from other groups that the consultation process was pretty dodgy. And we also were part of a bunch of groups who wrote joint letters to the Environment Minister actually asking for an extension on that 28-day consultation period because, I mean, yeah, how corrupt, giving community groups only a few weeks really to respond to massive changes, some of which, you know, they weren't even documented. We didn't even know what they were. So two days before the submissions closed, we were still finding new problems and new things and and so, you know, what else have we missed out on? We don't know. It's pretty pretty frustrating and shocking. Yeah, particularly sort of in the context that, um, you know, since 2019 when Vic Forrest, when the Vic government supposedly pledged to de-escalate or tone down or, or, or pull back on logging heading towards that 2030 goal in Victoria, it sort of seems like a strange outcome to them be making 3,000 changes to logging code, rushing it through without an adequate amount of time for public scrutiny and accountability. It seems sort of counter to what the government has said they're going to do compared to what they're actually doing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. They've got this announcement to wind down, but then they're deregulating logging. It's pretty, um, yeah, it doesn't really make a lot of a lot of sense, and I suppose... It really points to the fact, I think, that, you know, that 2030 date is really based on it's when the contracts with Australian paper or Nippon just naturally come to an end. So I suppose it's convenient for them, but it's not actually reflective of whether our forests and the wildlife that lives there can actually handle logging for another decade. And if they're deregulating logging, then you would argue that, that they can't meet their 2030 deadline without logging 
going into places where maybe they wouldn't have logged before or kind of logging the last little pieces. And certainly um, that announcement was made before the devastating fires and they had an opportunity, I think, to say, well, we've had these huge fires. They've wiped out two-thirds of East Gippsland's forests. It's made forests in the Central Highlands even more important, as well as the small fragments that are left in East Gippsland. They could have said, oh, well, you know, this is a sign. We need to wind it down now. But instead, they're choosing to ramp up logging and deregulate it. Yeah, so potentially some dire implications from that. And because the process is so opaque, it's it's really hard to even be conclusive about what those implications are. And that in itself is a huge problem. So it's absolutely fantastic to see Gecko, you know, speaking out on that and also getting together. Well, I was really inspired at the meeting to see that 100 people attended that online meeting. Absolutely. How amazing. Yeah. <laughs> right. And 14 different environment groups networking together. Does that seem like uh, a bit of a groundswell to you? Yeah, yeah, definitely. I was really surprised. I think as well because even though the headline is really quite shocking, like, oh, the government are deregulating logging, what the hell? But then when you get bogged down in the details, it's just really dry. It's hard to understand. It's hard for environment groups to understand it like we've never run a legal case and so we don't even have really the strong background knowledge that some environment groups have been working on this stuff for years it's complex stuff purposefully so and to see yeah 100 people they're really interested in kind of getting into it and getting involved and just calling out the process for what it is which was just a total sham it was really inspiring I left that meeting feeling quite excited and and happy at a time when you know it can be really, really depressing when you hear that the government are coming in with these changes, but to feel the movement and kind of the banding together of the environment groups and all the folks who care about this issue to make a change, it keeps you going, gives gives you some hope. Absolutely. Yeah, I feel exactly the same. It's, it's just really fantastic. See, it's so easy to get demoralised and depressed yeah. when you're doing environmental activism. And I think, you know, what's really great about this particular... Um, campaign as you said there's such a great cross spectrum of skills there's people who are really knowledgeable about the legal side of things and the lobbying and how all of these kind of government machinations work and they do a really great job of documenting that and and keeping government accountable and then there's others of us who are good at media and there's others who are good at um, actual protest and direct action and you know resistance that sort of thing so yeah, it's fantastic to see that there's going to be such a large network of people involved working at all those levels. Is Gecko planning any immediate actions or responses to that particular issue? Yeah, I mean, even though even though the submissions have officially closed, I think it's still really great if people just send an email to the Environment Minister and actually just keep the pressure up to say, you know, you can reopen this consultation. This was totally bogus and just keep saying that we don't want weaker protections. We want and we need stronger protections for wildlife and just keeping that pressure up. And there was a new timber release plan that came out as well. So the submissions for that were due actually around the same date. And I suppose we're just going to be 
checking out some of those areas and seeing what they're like and just continuing on the ground monitoring stuff and hopefully we'll get a chance to hold some sort of event to get people out in the bush as well because after writing submissions uh it's definitely a good task to do in lockdown you're kind of stuck at home but then it's nice to be able to get out into the forest as well now that restrictions have kind of eased so yeah yeah and hopefully it's getting a bit warmer maybe yeah I know you've had some uh, stuff going on with illegal logging as well. Did you want to talk about that? We just kind of put out an update on our website about this just ongoing saga with this area of forest in the Colhoun, which is just, it's not far from Lake's entrance. And um, it's an area we've identified as an important refuge for wildlife impacted by the fires. It's kind of surrounded by, you know, past logging history and the 2019-2020 bushfire extent. So really nice little patch of bush where we found high density of yellow-bellied gliders with another East Gippsland environment group while they had already started logging. And so the prescription that we got meant that there was meant to be a 100 hectare protection zone put in for the animals. But then the department came in and did verification surveys, told us that they were putting in the zone, blah, blah, blah. But then we found out, yeah, that they weren't actually properly protecting them and that the zone was for another density that they'd met, but they were just kind of lumping them all in together, even though they're legally required to put in that extra zone. And so, yeah, it's been a frustrating fight and um, we're just going to keep going and keep complaining. We've complained to DELP themselves and we've complained to the ombudsman, so we're just going to take it as far as we possibly can because we say it's illegal logging. They should be prosecuting Vic Forest, but... They're not doing anything about it and just refusing to put in this protection zone for this species that it hasn't been listed. It's just going straight to endangered because of the impacts of the fires. Like how can they go in and allow this logging? It's just crazy. Yeah. Mm. And thank you so much to you and to Gecko and everyone involved with that because that's just so much work that's never ending because Vic Forest continues to do illegal logging all over the place. And if it were not for the actions of all these volunteers going out doing citizen science, surveying and monitoring, then they would just be doing this illegal logging and just trashing forests with total impunity. Thank you so much for having me on. It's so good to be able to have a platform to chat about this stuff. And it's always great chatting with you. So We'll talk to you next time. Take care. Chat to you soon. All right. Bye. Bye. You've been listening to Earth Matters on the Community Radio Network and today on the show we heard from Matt Morgan and Darcy from Alberton West State Forest Blockade about the ongoing campaign by local communities there to protect a vital diversity corridor in South Gippsland and you can go to albertonwestforest.com or forestconservationvic.org to stay in touch with that campaign. Earlier in the show, we heard from Chris Sharinga at Goongar Environment Centre about how the VicGov's doing a sneaky mass deregulation of logging codes in Victoria and how a groundswell of activist collectives, local communities and environmental orgs is mounting in response. And you can stay in touch with Goongar Environment Centre at gecko.org.au. You can also find today's podcast and all the links at 3cr.org.au forward slash Earth Matters. And if you're already listening via a podcasting service, we would love you to subscribe. And why not rate us and give us a review to help spread the word? 
Earth Matters would like to thank the Community Broadcasting Foundation for their generous support and the Community Radio Network for all their hard work in getting this show out to you. Earth Matters is produced at 3CR Community Radio in Fitzroy Nam. And we can be contacted at earthmatters3cr at gmail.com. And you can also find us on your socials. So that's all for today, but don't forget, tune in next week for more environmental and social justice stories. Genocide here is a lot more sneaky than it is in Rwanda or other places around the world. It's one thing whitefellas learnt in the last 200 years to be very sneaky about their genocide. You look at the 38 nations that were here before white settlement and then you count up the numbers that are still surviving, still out there doing their business on their country. Well, there's only 25 left, so what happened to the other 13? Let's talk about the Black GST. Genocide to be stopped, sovereignty acknowledged and treaties made. Tune in to Fire First every Wednesday from 11am till 12 midday on 3CR with Robbie Thorpe. Goongaroo Environment Centre is a grassroots community organisation campaigning for East Gippsland's precious forests. For over 15 years we've been using direct action, citizen science and community engagement to stop the continued logging of precious native forests and threatened species habitat. After this summer's terrible bushfires, there's an even greater urgency to protect what remains, and the Victorian government haven't ruled out plans to log the small fragments of unburnt forests and so-called salvage log in burnt areas. It's now so important that forests and wildlife are protected so they can recover. Head to gecko.org.au to keep updated with the latest news and to get involved. Gecko acknowledges the logging is happening on the stolen lands of the Gunnakurnai and Bidwell and Monaro people, and that sovereignty was never ceded. You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au. You're listening to 3CR Community Radio 855 AM on digital and online. 3CR Radical Radio.